Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think I'm grab it quickly, and they're up and out. To the right side, it will go to Phil Kessel. Goes cross rink over to Evgeny Malkin. Down low to Schultz. Johnny scores. He beats Rana. Schultz on the goal line in front. The Penguins have taken an early 1-0 lead. 59 seconds in. Well- I think we were on a rush and just ended up there and um, found some open ice and Gino made the pass to me. Like I said, lucky to go in. Yeah, I knew we had, we had numbers, so... Um, anytime you're out there with those guys, they're going to make a play and just trying to get uh, to get open for them. Flacco shotgun from his end zone. Throws it over the middle. The pass is cut. Steelers miss a tackle, and they miss another. we got a foot race and a big man trying to chase Mike Wallace. I don't know what's going to happen. This could go to the house. He does score a 95-yard touchdown, a missed tackle by Artie Burns, and then a big guy had to trail him, and the big guy wasn't going to win that race. You know, I, I've just never been one to be disrespectful of anybody we compete against in the NFL. I know records are what they are, um, but I just, I don't, I don't delve into that. I respect everybody that we play. I think anytime we step into a stadium, people are capable of beating us. You know, that's just how it goes. Oh my, that sounded really good to center field. And clear the gap, Caden Ball coming, catch. Former two-time Saw Young winner Roy Halladay died today when the private plane that he was piloting crashed into the Gulf of Mexico. Halladay was 40 years old, an eight-time All-Star, and was said by all accounts to be a cinch for the Baseball Hall of Fame when his eligibility began in 2019. For Saverin on Sports. Hey. Now you hate to begin a show on a down note, but certainly the tragedy that was the death of Roy Halliday leaves us with little choice. And we begin with that the shocking news that Halliday, who will be in the Hall of Fame, and I wonder if they'll expedite that now waiving the mandatory waiting period. We know that's happened before. Uh, got me to thinking uh, I was stunned when I heard it. I'm sure everybody else was. You always hear about that. Athlete or not, someone at the age of 40 dies, especially accidentally, with no preparation, not like they've been enduring an illness. And it got me to thinking about uh, some of the deaths of some of the iconic sports figures just here in western Pennsylvania and, and beyond. 
But I'd like you to think back and remember the feelings and what you felt when you, for example, learned of the death, of course, of Roberto Clemente. Uh, Badger Bob we knew was ill, but still, maybe even just the news that he had brain cancer. Uh, Mike Webster, people knew that he was struggling, uh, but I don't know that anybody thought that death was imminent. Thurman Munson, similar circumstance to Roy Halladay. So we, we'd like to have you share that with us today. And I, I know it's a downer, but it's, it's part of you know, what we deal with. Uh, the Penguins against the Arizona team that was playing in the second of a back-to-back. Actually, I thought it quitted themselves fairly well. The Penguins get a win. Let's be honest about it. 17 games. They have been moderately successful, not up to anybody's standards or expectations. What or who is missing or keeping the Penguins from reaching the top level of their game. Uh, I'm not expecting May-June top of game, but they have not played even as well as they did during much of the regular season a year ago. What or who is missing, in your opinion? Also, the Pirates have exercised the option on Andrew McCutcheon for $14.5 million. That doesn't mean he's going to be playing here next year. And when you look at the downward trend of this team, two losing seasons in a row, did they have their chance? Is it time to rebuild? I don't mean tinker. I mean rebuild. Or is there enough there to say let's keep McCutcheon and or Garrett Cole? We're going to discuss all these issues today with Guy. Guy Junker, standing guy, love the show, beginning in just a couple of minutes on Saverin on Sports. Also, the Steelers have not done well after bye weeks recently. Overall, they've been doing extremely well, but they've lost three in a row. And, of course, they're coming off their bye week this week. Also, ESPN has their NFL power rankings. They rank the Steelers third in the NFL, third best team in the NFL. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the Steelers and where they're at with Jerry Dulac. Jerry will join me today at 1.30. Here's how you get involved. 412-922-2874. Pound 970 on your cell. You can email me, stansaverin at iheartmedia.com. Post on Facebook, Saverin on Sports, or tweet at Stan Love the Show. It's Stan and Guy Day. Stan and Guy Love the Show next on Saverin on Sports. That's absolutely right. It's Stan and Guy back together again. Here's Stan Saverin and Guy Junker. And here we are. We're brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Jeff tweets and says, The Penguins aren't playing their best after a ton of games the last two years, but they're still first in the division and second in the conference. That's just fine this time of year. And I would agree with that, but... What or who is is missing from the equation? Uh, I was going to start with, and we'll get to the five-on-five numbers, which improved somewhat last night. Um, It seems to me that if I were to point to one thing, I mean, obviously, Crosby and Letang are not playing uh, like what you would expect out of them. But it seems to me that they are built, as Mike Sullivan says, on puck possession. And to maintain the level of puck possession, you need to be first on the puck. That means a quarter step quicker than the other guy. That means that, that it, it, it takes a lot of intensity to do that, to be quicker to the puck, puck retrieval, you know, loose pucks, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I think that's what's missing. 
Well, I think their speed's there. I don't think their hustle's been there as complete as it has been. I think there's so many things, and I agree with the emailer too. You know, where they're sitting. First of all, they were the first. They were the only team sitting there with 16 games played. They had played an unusual amount of games. The schedule's been awful. Before last night, they had only played five home games. They haven't lost a home game in regulation yet. They're what five zero and one at home, so they've been dominant there. They've played five sets of back to backers already. They've played some of the better teams in the league already. A five game Western trip. I mean, it's early November, and their schedule's been absolutely brutal. I put a big part of it on that. They weren't that good on the road last year until the last month. I think they won nineteen road games last year, so their struggles on the road. I can't get overly excited about it. They had the problems with the backup goaltender. Uh, they still haven't found a true third-line center yet. And and I think, you know, if they're still sort of spinning their wheels the way they have been through much of this by the holidays, I think Rutherford will do something and shake it up. But I'm going to go a little bit further and something that's a little less tangible. I think they missed some of the leadership that they had with guys like – and I, look, Sidney Crosby's the greatest leader in the world. The way he works uh, – at practice and his whole attitude about everything from dealing with the media and everything else, but he hasn't played that well. You're talking about Colin Kunitz. Colin and Kunitz, and and, and, and even to some extent Marc-Andre Fleury, a guy that kept the room yeah. loose and a, a guy that everybody on the team loves. Dan. And, and that, look, I'm not saying they should have kept those guys. I think Kunitz's game has been as valuable as he was and as good of a playoff guy as he was. Uh, you know, his game, he's getting older. His game has gone down. You, you can't be a team that, with the kind of payroll that they have and pay the money that he could get somewhere else. We all understand the flurry situation. And they gave Cullen an opportunity and decided he wanted to go back home. Uh, you put all of that together and the human nature value of having won two cups in a row and trying to skate around with your hair on fire in October and November after what you've gone through in game sixes and sevens and conference and Stanley Cup finals in recent years. And I just, you know, I think it's just a little hard right now to play the way that they have. It was, I can't remember who it was last year. It might have been, I was talking to your buddy, it might have been Edzo, it might have been Doc, just, you know, one of the, having a cup of coffee at the morning skate in the playoffs. And one of them during the Washington series said to me, the Penguins are built for the playoffs, the Capitals are built for the regular season. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, now the Capitals are struggling a bit too. Uh, you know, uh, did they lose that game to Buffalo last night? I felt I had it on. Yeah, they did, 3-1. to one. Yeah. Um, and I think there's some truth to that. And I think, look, as long as they don't completely fall off the face of the earth and Latang and, and Sid's numbers improve a little bit, they could look after 91. They, would they finish third in the division in 92? You know, and then they turned it on in the plaza. I'm not getting overly excited about it. I think all of these things put together have kind of made for a, a start that we're not used to seeing. No, I, I would agree. Um, uh, no time to panic. It, it certainly. Uh, not even reason to be concerned. Sullivan actually seemed to think that even with the two losses on the last two games of the Western trip, <coughs> he found positives in that, saying they were getting to the game that he wanted them to get to. And I, th- I think it's about that half step, but that half step is all about intensity, and it's not about effort. Do you agree with me? It's not that they lost the speed. I think they've lost <clears throat> a little bit of the, the one-two at the moment. Yeah. Th- I've seen some floating. That's exactly what I'm saying, and I think that's what he was saying, too. Um, that's why he felt that even in the two defeats uh, at the end of that road trip that he took some solace because they were playing stronger. I mean, I, I think that's it. You know, they are built to play that way. Puck possession, in order to get possession of the puck, I mean, you you have to take the extra half a step. No, the speed is still the same. Certainly losing Cullen and Kunitz and, and uh, Benino didn't hurt their speed. Right, I mean, they, you know, they, you know, they're they're 
weren't strong. You know, they were well, the other part good of the puck skaters, possession not, part of a two stand is I think they've been very sloppy and giving it away an inordinate amount. Oh, of time. absolutely. Just, you know, uh, even when they have possession, even last night, the lone goal that Arizona got, it looked kind of like a, an innocent turnover in the other end, and, but it, it turned into a quick break the other way, and it, it ruined the shutout. I, I just think there's been a little bit of, little bit of sloppy handling of the puck, a little too many cross-ice long passes, and just, a, just in general, not a real crispness about their whole overall performance. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, it's the easy way out. Um, rather than digging in for that extra half step, if you get the if you get to the puck a half step in front of the other guy, then you're not forced to make a lazy, sloppy pass. Uh, I mean, there's no there's no question about that. I don't think. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, certainly, I know you get choked up to work with me. It's the, I, I do. Isn't it? Actually, I'm getting sick to my stomach. Um, I had a conversation last night with a couple of folks about Riley Shan, and he's been very good on faceoffs. And when we talk about <clears throat> production of the third-line center, let's not glorify the past. Um, Nick Benino, for long stretches, both in 16 and 17, <clears throat> didn't do a whole lot. Right In the playoffs, he most certainly did. But let's not forget, now the one year, the first year he was here, he had the broken hand, so he was out for quite some time. <clears throat> but he really was not a scoring third-line center. I mean, he did a good job on the HBK line, but it's not as though that he were a significant or he was a significant contributor. But I look at Shane. Well, I told you about the stern, long discussion that Sullivan was having with him after a practice in Cranberry last year sometime in March, late with the playoffs approaching. The two of them were – Benino was doing all the listening, and Sullivan wasn't talking to him about – you know, where they were going for dinner. And, and and it seemed like that lit a spark under him after that. But to me, the third-line center stand, he doesn't have – well, he had a great chance last night and he hit the crossbar. To me, it, it, that's okay. If you're if you're holding your own on your third line, if you're out there a lot of times against the other team's star offensive players and you're not getting scored on, that's good. What to me makes the third-line center valuable is the inevitable injuries to Crosby and Malkin at some point – can you step up and then become the offensive threat playing with the with, uh, in the top six line? And the answer to that, in my view, and that's what I was getting to, is no. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. But. I don't. Uh, I'm not even looking at the fact he hasn't scored a goal. I think mean, he's got two assists in the games he's played, or he got uh, um, one the other night. But the thing that bothers me about Shan, uh, he's a good skater. Uh, very impressed with his skating. He's very smooth. Uh, talk about speed. He's an upgrade in that in that element over either Benino or Matt Cullen. But I don't see any offensive instincts. <clears throat> I don't see he hasn't shown me any offensive instinct whatsoever. I'm not talking about the quality of his shot, but making offensive moves in an effort to either score or set up a goal. Um, I'm not saying he's not playing hard. I'm not saying that he uh, he's been very good on faceoffs, but I don't see offensive instincts. And I think, <clears throat> at the very least, you know, if you're not scoring, you don't have a great shot. And, you know, you, you can get in front of the net and tip things in as a center is supposed to do. I haven't. I just don't see the instincts. And I'll tell you what bothers me. <clears throat> Last night, <clears throat> I don't know what's going on here. I apologize. <clears throat> Last night. The third line consisted of Shan in the middle with Haglin on the left and Rust on the right. 
Russ can be a very valuable offensive weapon. But if you're playing with those two, you're not you're wa- Brian Russ is being wasted. Yeah. He's useless on that line. You know, Haglin's in, already been benched for a game. Right. And you know, look, Carl Haglin is very valuable to this team, but he's not going to score. I mean, we know that. And so far, I see why Riley Shan didn't get a goal until the 82nd game of the season last year. Now, someone is going to have to play on that right side. And you look at the second line last night, my goodness, who else can boast a second line of Malkin, Kessel, and Gensel? Are you kidding? Right. But that, they could have had another one. I mean, he made that incredible save on Gensel. Right. They could all had four, uh, four points. And Gensel's, you know, off to a pretty slow start, too. But, I mean, you're wasting Brian Russ. I mean, I— to me, Riley Shan has shown me, and it's a it's a short sample sample size. He's a fourth line center on I this agree. team. Yeah, he's yeah. a fourth line center. Nothing wrong with him there, but you can't have him up on the third line, especially um, if Haglin's going to be. I mean, Haglin does what he does, and on this team, Haglin is a guy who is terrific on a contender, but is useless on a team that isn't contending. Right, and they're still a contender, and they can yeah. still use him. I mean, he. Uh, even with the Rangers, when the Rangers were going good, he was valuable, and when the Rangers weren't, he wasn't leading them out of it. Which is why they got rid of him, right? You know, to, to Anaheim. Um, but you know, again, not to just point at Shane. I, I still think um, that. Well, Greg uh, posts on Facebook. Uh, what is missing from uh, their game is urgency, which can't be there for a team. I agree. Coming off two Stanley Cups and is in the first quarter of the season, this urgency will come as the season winds down. I know it's boring for talk shows. <laughs> no, look how look how they played. Look how they look how differently they play late in a game that they're down by a goal or up by a goal. You know, give me the last ten minutes of a third period when the game's on the line, and you see more the way they used to play. Um, you know, now last night they got off to the great start, but part of that was one of the worst goals I've seen in years. Oh, is that awful? Yeah, well, that was that was terrible, and um, I felt sorry for Rick talking it, it a turn, little bit. It turns out that that Niemi may not be the worst ante in the NHL, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> although he settled down. Yeah, after he played that. well. He after played pretty that. well after that ante. You know, actually, I, I, I must say, I, I thought Arizona quitted themselves well. They're coming off, you know, back to back the on before. the road. They played a good team uh, in in the Capitals, or an allegedly uh, good team. Uh, and the, the thing I liked about what I saw from them is that they got it and they're down two nothing three oh seven into the hockey game. But after that, you know, they played pretty well. So you know, maybe Tockett's building something. Well, there. most places Tockett's been whether he's been successful or not, he's been liked, and they they knew that game meant a lot to him. They weren't going to give up on that. How about the fact that, and I mentioned this to Bob Area last night. Um, should it come as any surprise that Arizona leads the NHL in hits, given <laughs> yeah. who the head coach is? Right. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, they're young, and it seems like he got a four-year deal, I believe. So I, I, they'll come around a little bit. you got to build build some with them. But uh, I, I agree. For playing back-to-back games, the, the, they hung in there, and I think the big part of it was they knew how much that game meant to talk. Undoubtedly. You certainly didn't want to be embarrassed. No. And then look at what they got now. They come home for one game, and they go on the road. they got to play back-to-back. one night against the two-time defensive defending President's Trophy team, and the next night against the defending Western Conference champions. I mean, this is ridiculous what this schedule has been. I know. They, and they of all the back-to-backs, this will be number six, they haven't had one home game to split, either home or away. Ah, that I didn't even realize. Yeah. I mean, you know, every every back-to-back, the second game has been on the Always road. on the road. So, makes it more difficult. Um, speaking of difficult, difficult news when learning of Roy Halladay, um, I think he should have been in the Hall of Fame. Uh, when he was eligible. I, I hope they expedite that. We'll see. 
But we also know there's one very famous case where they did that exactly for Roberto Clemente. Um, I, I, somebody told me, I said, what? Um, you know, one of those moments, and I didn't know Roy Halladay. I know he's a great pitcher and saw him pitch. Um, but we're going to step off the beaten path here. Um, guy's a lifelong Pittsburgher. Um, I've been a Pittsburgher for longer than some of your lives, so uh, I'll qualify myself. <clears throat> Deaths of, of athletes, sports figures. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heroes of yours as a kid or a young adult or even an older adult, uh, let's share your memories of that. That's coming up next. Uh, it's Stan and Guy Day on Savern on Sports. That sounds like the, the voice of the great... ABC, I believe, newsman Harry K. It sounds like Harry K. Smith or, um, in any way, that's not important. Frank Reynolds, maybe? No, it wasn't Frank no. Reynolds. Um, well, I think it was Howard K. Smith, either Harry Reasoner. Oh, Harry. Oh, I think that's who it is. is that Harry Reasoner, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's exactly how I found out, Guy. Now, I was not a Pittsburgher then. Um, I was still four some years away from getting here. But I was driving in my car New Year's Day morning. Um, had the radio on, AM radio, you know, back then. Pretty much all there was that people listened to. Uh, and I was stunned. I wasn't, you know, Pittsburgh associated. I uh, wasn't, again, years away from getting here. But who didn't know Roberto Clemente? Uh, I know you were a huge Pirate fan as a kid. And I, uh, I remember just I was chilled when I, when I heard that. Wasn't sure of the circumstance, which I found out later. But you know, what was that like for you when you heard that? Well, yeah, I was in high school, and and when we, when you start talking about this topic, I have it separated between before I got a, became a member of the media because when you start reporting this stuff, like it or not, it numbs you a little bit because you deal with it in a different way. Um, so then I'm still a, a fan. I'm still in high school, and I was in church. And New Year's Day is a Holy Day of Obligation, and so we, I went to Mass, and they announced it in church. I hadn't heard it the night before. I was still too young to be out, you know, partying or whatever on New Year's Eve, and I, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I was more astounded. Of course, when Kennedy was killed, I was only in second grade. But I, I just, you know, because he was still playing. It wasn't even he wasn't recent retired, not to diminish Halliday, but, I mean, Clemente was still in uniform a couple of months before that, and that – Terrible loss to the Reds on the Bob Moose wild pitch. Then the Steelers lose to the Dolphins. I think it was the same day, if I'm not mistaken, in the uh, AFC Championship game. And yeah, it was just I heard about it in church, and I was just totally stunned. And the two, the two most that, that, that were glaring to me was that one and Michelle Briere, because they were really a uh, year and a half apart. I was a youth. Penguins had youth season tickets then. I had Penguin youth season tickets if you're 16 and under. And I still remember Briere in the playoffs in his one and only season squirting between two St. Louis Blues who collided and fell down and scoring on a breakaway. I can remember that play in my brain like it happened yesterday. And the thing about him was first you heard about him being in the accident, and then he was in a coma, I want to say almost a year. But I think I was watching Sam Nover when he said that Briere had died, and 
Those were the two that hit me the hardest and the most, you know, because I was still young. They were still active players, both number 21, ironically, and, uh, you know. Yeah, I, again, my experience <clears throat> with it was, you know, hearing on the radio, but being removed from it. Um, the Thurman Munson one, um, because I had met Thurman Munson um, mm. when I was at Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio played Kent State in baseball. And a guy that I played against in high school, and I had worked with in the summer in Cleveland, Steve Stone. Oh, yeah. Former Cyang Award winner, was on that Kent State team. He was on your high school team, or you played against him? I played against him. Oh. I pitched against him uh, in, in, high, in high school. Um, Who and, won? Uh, we did. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we actually did. How about that? Yeah. That's impressive. Um, I didn't start the game, and I, I came in a relief. Um, the, the guy who started the game ended up getting a scholarship at Arizona State. Then he drank. He, so there was greatness all around you. Exactly. And so Steve introduced me to Thurman Munson, who was a college star, but you know, college baseball. You know, this is 1968. Right. So, um, but that that you know, just how you know young he was. I think he was like 31 or something. But locally, um, this did not result in a death, thankfully. But I don't know that I've ever been impacted. If we're talking about this area of conversation about uh, athletes was Gabe Rivera, uh, 1983, number one draft choice. People remember that he was already becoming uh, off to a know, great start. Off to a great start. Um, the Steelers, uh, you know, that's the year they passed on Dan Marino, A, because they thought that, you know, Terry Bradshaw had three, four more good years left in him. And it's not like today, like when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers, willing to wait, you know, three years for him. Uh, and the second factor was, of course, is that Joe Green had retired. Dwight White, L.C. Greenwood, they were all gone, and they felt the need to rebuild their defensive line. This kid was going to be something senior sack, if you'll remember. And he was in that awful accident, and he got paralyzed, and they uh, called a press conference at Three River Stadium with the, uh, I believe his name was Dr. Diamond. I think he was the head of trauma uh, surgery there. And it was at that press conference that he announced and I don't know what I expected. I mean, I'm an idiot. Um, they announced that he was going to be paralyzed for life, and I, I thought, well, maybe he'll miss the rest of the year. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I just had no concept. Well, I always thought Michelle Briere would come out of the coma too. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. And and when I I I, I was dis, I, distraught, I think because I came in with sort of a Pollyanna attitude. Well, all right, he's going to be out for the rest of the year, but no, he's never going to walk again. Um, and it was funny, years later, Guy, I was covering the Steelers at uh, Houston in the Astrodome, and it was a very small, cramped visiting locker room, and you had to, we're all jammed in there waiting to interview Chuck Knoll, and there was a rampway which led up to the locker, but everybody was packed in before they let us in, and I felt this tug at the bottom of my sport coat. And I thought, you know, what? You know, I, I can't move. It's if you're looking to get ahead of me in line, there's nowhere to go. <clears throat> and somebody kept tugging, and I turned around, and it was Gabe Rivera in his wheelchair. He just wanted to say hi. He just wanted to say hi. And it was, you know, it was great to see him. And, you know, his life turned out actually pretty well after, you know, a rough period. His first wife left him, though, right? Yeah, she yeah. did. With that. And, and, you know, had his son. She, she was pregnant at the time when he had the accident. She left him. But I believe Gabe is remarried, and, and uh, I think he's. Uh, uh, in Texas somewhere. Um, and the second one was Badger Bob. And we, you know, we yeah. had some indication um, 
you know, he had headaches, and then they diagnosed him, and you kind of knew it was going to be. I mean, that was, you know, as bad as the day he died because you knew that it was imminent. Um, but the, the, just the news that he had brain cancer, it kind of eliminated all hope. You know, he was he came on Sports Beat with us, and I remember we were doing a show out of KDKA still then, and a little bit of a labyrinth maze to get out of that studio down there in Gateway Center. And so we finished the show, and he said, can you show me how to get out of the building here? He, goes, he was all excited because I'm meeting Mark for dinner. Mark was in town, his son, who played for the Penguins, and um, I forget what he was in town for. I think he was already coaching. Uh, college hockey then, but he was all excited to go. He was go coaching ahead. the women's team, I think. I think at that he time. still is at Wisconsin, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, Wisconsin, yeah. And um, so he was going out to dinner with Mark, and so I let him out to the lobby to get him back out on the street, and he was so happy. And that was March, Stan. And you think about how quickly things happen in life. He was here, here was a snowy March night, and he was just tickled that he, his son was in town, and the two of them were getting to have dinner together. A couple of months later, they win a Stanley Cup and send the town on its ear, and by the fall, he was dead. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, 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 I, so I, to me, it wasn't, I, mean, I was on my way to Myrtle Beach for vacation the morning I heard the announcement that he was diagnosed with the brain tumor. And of course, we were all there with the candle vigil and everything the first game after he passed. So that, all that was sad. But I think of that night that he was on Sports Beat with us that I let him back out to the street to go have dinner with Mark more than anything because it was so soon that he died. Seemingly such an innocent thing as having dinner with your son and it might be the last time they ever had dinner together. Yeah, I, I keep thinking about that night at the arena when they had, and and it was being being live um, back to his hospital room, and he at that point he couldn't speak. Uh, but I, I also remember Craig Patrick saying after he died that uh, while he was remember he was in Pittsburgh coaching, he was coaching one of the national teams. Um, and if it was getting ready for the Olympics or some international competition, and the I think pra- it was Canada Cup, Canada Cup, and they were practicing here in Pittsburgh. And I remember Craig telling me afterward that. He had gone to dinner with Badger Bob, and he noticed that he Badger Bob was somewhat disoriented, um, and you know just you know he's very sharp customer obviously, um, but that Patrick no, uh, noticed that he was disoriented in their conversation. Something was off, and then he started talking about the headaches, and then the diagnosis came. I remember well, I had to write a book report in grade school, and I did it on Lou Gehrig and read this biography. Who I've, I've been fascinated with Lou Gehrig my entire life, a guy that had that streak, the, uh, nicknamed the Iron Horse, that incre- and then his body completely fails him and all the disease named after him and everything. And I, that was like, to me, that, that was one of the saddest things, being a fourth grade or whatever. And re- Lou Gehrig, A Quiet Hero was the name of the book, and just what a good human being he supposedly was and for that to happen. So that was, that was obviously died way before I was born, but that was like the first sports tragedy that I became interested in the tragic death. Kevin tweets us uh, at Stan love the show. Uh, I know he lived a long, great life, but Arnie touched more people's Mm. lives than anyone I can think of. And he was beloved by all who knew him. Um, Yeah. I, you know, I don't think I've ever been as nervous to interview someone as I was my first time interviewing Arnold Palmer. And then after you're with him 30 seconds, you realize, right. why the hell was I nervous? He's the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, but, you know, I think part of it was because it was Arnie. And number two, my knowledge, I don't play golf, so my knowledge is, you know, perfunctory at best. Um, but I, I'll never forget um, how nervous I was, uh, you know, interviewing the great Arnold Palmer. I mean, a, at that point, a living legend. It was actually at Oakmont Country Club. I was sitting on the veranda at Oakmont Country Club to interview him about five years ago. And uh, 
they're setting up lights and you know microphones and and he very chatty. We're sitting there talking, and the waitress comes over and says, "Would you gentlemen like something to drink?" And I said, "I'll just have an iced tea." And he says, "I'll, I'll have one of mine, <laughs> just real casual, nonchalant." But I, I, I thought, "Oh my god, there it is! He's got a drink named after us. I'll have one of mine." It was it was hilarious. Well, you and I had drinks named after us at Ruth's Chris State. Yeah, they were we? martinis. They were martinis. Yeah, so they, they had a standing guy martini. I don't think they had a guy pierogies. <laughs> yeah. We almost made the Iron City can, and then that fell apart. Because I got fired. Yeah, we almost had our own beer <laughs> at Stoney's. Yeah, yeah, that's they right. Didn't have a standing guy beer. Oh well, well well. But I didn't. You know what? I didn't feel bad when Arnie died. I mean, I, sure, it's it's a shock. Yeah. I felt bad because he had such a great life. And eighty seven. These other people we're talking about were in the prime of their careers. If Arnie would have died suddenly in a plane crash at forty six right. or something, and, I, and I'm not like Payne Stewart. Well, that, that's that's the other. That, I have him on my list. When you told me we we're going to talk about this, I wrote that down because the the macabre the, the all them dead in that plane still flying and yeah. they could they flew the plane beside it and they could see them in there and they, you know that was a strand dale earnhardt died on the track i mean and len bias as a professional someone reporting on this and i never met len bias that just shocked the heck out of me i mean uh because the, the nba i don't i can't remember how the distance between the nba draft he was a second overall choice he was you know just this Looked like he was going to be a superstar in the NBA. And was, I'm going to say we, days or weeks, weeks. He dies at a cocaine overdose. Well, how about Hank Gathers? Yeah. Uh, the basketball player. Loyola um, Marymount. Loyola <clears throat> Paul Westhead's team that, uh, you know, died of a, of a heart condition. Yeah. All right. Um, Kelly Lindbergh. Yep. Uh, car crash. And and one one more, and then we're going to move on. The, it didn't affect me that much at the time because I was in grade school or junior high. The Marshall uh, entire team. Marshall oh. football team, and when it re- that affected me, Stan, as you and I flew down to Huntington, West Virginia, to do sports beat, and and Marshall was really good at the time. Uh, Chad Pennington, Chad was, Pennington was on the they show, were nationally ranked. We went down there. We flew into that airport. I saw the hillside and the mountain and the whole thing, and that really struck me then because you could see how a plane could crash in there in foggy conditions. Well, I had been down to Marshall on two different occasions when I was in college because Marshall was in the Mid American Conference back then. So Miami of Ohio would play football and basketball down there, and I was there, and I, I saw that airport the way it was. When we went down in the mid-'90s, whenever it was, late-'90s, um, they had reconfigured the airport so that that mountain – I mean, who, who thought of that in the first place? Yeah, how but, stupid. But the, 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 the landing strips had been reconfigured so that they were no longer an issue. But I, I was there in 1968 and 69, and that's before the crash. All right. Um, should the Pirates consider a complete rebuild here? Um, they they uh, exercise the option on McCutcheon. That doesn't mean he's going to be here, though, when they hit spring training. Guy and I will talk about that. Stan and Guy, love the show on Savernon's. Pirates do exercise the option on Roberto Clemente's contract, $14.5 million, But you do that because, A, it leaves you options. Um, you see teams doing that with free agents all the time. A lot of free agents got qualifying offers. Why? Because if they sign elsewhere, you get an extra draft pick. And it's you know stupid not to do that. Of course, if you extend an offer and they accept it, you're, you're on the hook for that. Uh, by the way, just going back one segment, Tony uh, emails this guy and says that Len Bias was drafted on June 17th, 1986. He died on June 19th. Oh, two days. Two days later. Yeah, I knew it was yeah. close. Two, two days later. And the way things have changed, we get news now via tweets or emails or texts. And back then... 
He had all those wire machines, and they made so much noise they were in an enclosed room by themselves. And I can I remember working, sitting there with Billy and you and Myron, and hearing the bells going ding, 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 yeah. ding, which meant you knew something huge happened there, and I went in, and he had died. Um, I don't think there was much doubt that the Pirates were going to exercise the option, but there's still doubt as to whether they keep him. So Josh already tweeted and said the Pirates should begin their rebuild with ownership. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but short of that, which is not yeah. going to happen apparently, um, do you look at the last, not as an aberration. I mean, listen, they, they earned their 75 wins, or I should say 87 losses. Um, you know, they weren't very good. But when you look at them, is this time to to rebuild and say, oh, we're in a down cycle, trade whatever asset you got, because you know McCutcheon's going to be gone next year for sure. Do you hang in there, see what you do, and maybe trade him in July? Do you, you know, Garrett Cole's going to, you know, you know he's going to be gone. Or do you say, you know what, there's enough here where we think we can challenge for a playoff spot? Well, I think one of the great um, problems is the uncertainty of the Jung Ho Gung situation, Stan. If you knew he was coming back, and I don't, I'm not going to say, oh, he hasn't played in a year. You know, I, 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 I saw. I think he started two for seven in Dominican. I haven't been able to find any stats on him down there. Have you? No, he's doing I, I in winter ball. Um, but that, 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 that to me is a big part of it. If he's not coming back, that leans me toward thinking about rebuilding. But you know what? I don't want to think about rebuilding right now. I still think there's a good enough nucleus here if they would spend a little money and add a couple of parts. You know, last year they did earn the 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 lousiness of their record, but they were facing the not having Gung and not having Marte half the year, which they didn't expect. I you know can't, and I, I know you documented Cole's struggles late in the season. You don't know if you you build your hopes on him being the super stud ace that we all thought he would be. But I think you're finally getting this group of pitchers that you were building starting pitchers. You, you, that you were building your hopes on for this team to have a championship run, all to get, give it a shot here. You can still trade McCutcheon before the end of August. You could still trade Garrett Cole in the middle of the season next year if you think you're going to lose him and you get off to a lousy start. I don't start ripping it apart right now till I know what I'm going to have. And, 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 look, I know the World Series showed once again the team that spends the most money doesn't necessarily win, but you can't spend what the Pirates do and expect to win. 20 more million a year, 25 more million a year is doable. It's within their budget. Things like Jay Happ, those kind of situations could have kept them more competitive for a longer window than the three years they were in the playoffs. So to just sit here and say, let's keep the same group and hope we improve enough from within, that's not good enough. Either say tear it apart and start over or add a couple of pieces to give what you still have here an opportunity. Well, I mean, I think that's uh, I think that's a you know a conservative approach, but a cautious approach, but probably the one they should take. Um, I would have said absolutely, and I said it during the season uh, at midway point, uh, and I thought, you know what? I, I remember asking the question as a topic: Do you think if things don't work out this year that you know they'll get Marte back? We know Gung is a key piece, no question about that. Um, but the injuries to Polanco, they scuttled all that. It looks like they got a first baseman for years to come. But the thing that soured me on that strategy was the performance of the top three in the rotation. I was operating under the assumption, hey, you're getting more out of Trevor Williams um, and and um, um, the, uh, the Chad Cool, Chad Cool, than you ever imagined. That pretty good comparatively to anybody else. But 
That was on the presumption that Cole, Tyone, and Nova were going to be really solid. Well, guess what? They're not. And so I know that Mitch Keller's coming up, and the, you know they they really like him. He's he is doing well in Arizona. And and you know I still believe I think I think they've screwed up Glasnow. I I I'm I'm convinced of it after I saw what Charlie Morton did. Why? Because yeah. they let him pitch. They said you can throw the ball 97. You can get people out upstairs. Glasnow. Oh, you got to watch your slide step. Oh, you got to worry about. I would allow, I would not allow him to throw anything but fastballs. I agree with that to some degree, but Charlie Morton was his own worst enemy too. I mean, the professor of you know the way he analyzed every pitch and went on and he overanalyzed his own situation. If if they rip it apart and Glasnow pitches at the major league level anywhere near what he's done in the minors, and you're like, crap, why do we get rid of these? I I I just I'm not ready to give in on it. I want to at least give it a shot to start April, rip it apart in July if you have to. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Thanks, Guy. We'll see you next Wednesday. Stan and Guy brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman. I'm not telling you to look out for Indianapolis. I'm just telling you to look out for Indianapolis. That's up next on Savern on Sports. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.